0: Well, we continue in our worship as we uh, turn our attention to God's Word this morning. I invite you to turn, please, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, uh, beginning at verse 26 through verse 38. The passage reads as follows. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth for you have found favor with God. You will be with child and will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. Well, our time together this morning uh, brings us uh, to this passage in Luke. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Uh, It has been... uh, titled The Annunciation, or or The Announcement to Mary, that God had chosen her to be the mother uh, of the Messiah. It was made known to her that she, in a very significant way, would have part in God's uh, plan. You'll recall that God had promised way back in The book of Genesis, chapter 3 and verse 15, that he would bring a a Savior to this world. Genesis 3.15 says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. This is the first prophecy uh, of a Messiah, a Deliverer, a Savior, whom God would send into the world. And this one who was coming would undo, if you would, or remedy uh, the effects of sin. He would also destroy uh, the works of Satan. And the Bible tells us that when Jesus Christ came into this world and offered up his life and was raised again the third day, that God brought to pass these things. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's through Jesus Christ that the problem of sin that is in my heart and in yours and that is a part of humanity is remedied, is made right, is forgiven, is cleansed, is made right before God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But not only is sin forgiven, there is a deliverance that comes to us. We are freed from the power and influences of the enemy and the, the world of, of Satan, who is the God of this world, the Bible declares. In fact, 1 John chapter 3, uh, the end of verse eight says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. You see, Jesus in his sacrifice on the cross not only forgives us of our sins, but also provides a, a deliverance, a, a freedom, a setting free from its power within our lives and from all those things that would influence us away from God as well. And all through the Old Testament, this anticipation and hope was kept before God's people through the prophets and the Old Testament seers. in, in fact... Uh, in first peter, Peter says this concerning those who uh, spoke uh, God's word in time past, that really they were not necessarily serving themselves, but they were serving others in what they they declared. Peter says in first Peter chapter one and verse ten concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with great care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing to when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of these things that have now been told to you by those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. In other words, God had a plan from the very beginning to bring about a, a Savior, a Redeemer, into this world. He made that plan known little by little through progressive revelation concerning this plan of what He would do and what He would accomplish and those prophets who, who were given those very messages didn't fully even understand everything that they were even prophesying until they came to their fulfillment and their fruition in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 tells us, But when the time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the full rights as sons. And it's been suggested that one of the unspoken desires of many of the Jewish uh, women from the time of Eve even until the time of Christ was that that woman might be chosen to be the mother of the Messiah or God's anointed one who is prophesied to come. So this brings us to Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. And you'll note with me that Mary is the prominent individual in this narrative. She was young. Some have suggested that she may have been as, as young as 16 years of age. We're told three times over in this text that she was a virgin which means that she had never had sexual relations with a man. She was pure uh, and morally uh, upright. I I stop there just for a moment uh, just to, to say this. Mary being as young as she was, did you ever notice in Scripture that God called a lot of young people to serve him at a young age? you're never too late to be called by God it's never too young to be called by God or too late to hear his voice to be part of his plan think of with me of Samuel at that young age being called and being taught to listen for the voice of God to say speak Lord for your servant is listening think about Daniel In the time of the Babylonian captivity where he and his three friends who were renamed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a great influence on that Babylonian kingdom. Godless as it was, God had his people there representing him. And at a young age, Daniel determined that he would serve God faithfully even in a foreign land. Jeremiah obviously was young because When God called him to preach, he says, I'm but a youth. I don't have anything to say. Who's going to listen to me? And God reassured Jeremiah that he had a plan for his life even before he was born. And from the womb, God had called him. Think about even among the apostles, John the apostle. Many have speculated since he lived into probably mid-90s A.D. that he was probably 16 years old or younger when the Lord called him. The reason why I I emphasize that at the beginning is because sometimes we tend to think that God only uses people who are older and mature in the faith, but yet God wants every one of us, regardless of our age, to come to him in faith and allow our lives to be used by him. And those of you who are on the younger end of the scale, so to speak, here this morning, Listen for the voice of God calling you and be obedient to him and yield yourself to him. All of us need to do that, in fact, for we're never too young to be called by God to hear his voice and to be part of his plan. Now, we also know from Matthew's account that uh, she was engaged to Joseph, who was also a righteous man. He was a godly man. We'll consider him next time together. But you'll see in this context that God sends an angel to Mary, Gabriel. He is God's messenger. He appears in the Old Testament as well to Daniel, the young man I referred to earlier. He was God's messenger, delivering God's uh, message to this, this woman, Mary. And I'll have you note here that the way the text reads, and it's, it's clear that in this, God is taking the initiative in this did you notice that he is sovereign and he is working both by natural and supernatural means for he has ordained both And verses 28 to 30 tell us that Mary was chosen by God notice this this angel comes and frightens Mary uh, it's a question was asked why why does it when the angels appear that uh, there seems to be this fear that comes over them well we're not told exactly the specifics but maybe he just appeared out of nowhere and I'm sure that if somebody appeared out of nowhere even in our midst we would be a little bit disturbed by that Uh, so that was probably part of it she was probably more troubled too as well by virtue of what the angel said to her verse 28 Greetings, you are highly favored, the Lord is with you. She may have been going about her daily routine and daily life, planning for her up and coming wedding, and all of a sudden an angel appears and says, You're favored by God. It's interesting that that word favored means grace, God's favor being bestowed. And in this, you see here that Mary is chosen by God as God is bringing to pass his plans to bring the Messiah the Savior into the world and while you and I might say to ourselves well that was Mary she was chosen she had a special place the Bible would tell us that all of us who are in Jesus Christ have been chosen by God every believer in Jesus Christ is likewise, likewise chosen by God and given His grace. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 uh, says it this way concerning believers, that we ought always to thank God for you brothers loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, And through belief in the truth he called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ have you responded to God's gospel call in your life to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved to acknowledge that he is the one who died in your place to forgive your sins and make you acceptable to God. God chooses you and calls you to himself that you might believe in his son. And God's favor uh, uh, rests upon you in that. And you'll note here in verses 31 through 33 that this calling of Mary, this choosing of her, was going to further unfold the purposes and the plan of God. Look at, with me at verse 31 once again. The angel says to Mary, You will, will be with child and give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. He will, be call, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. See, God was making known to Mary and to us that his plan was being brought to pass to bring his son, the Messiah, into this world. The amazing thing is that this plan predates even creation. This was a plan that God had in his mind and in his heart if i could say it in those terms before he even created anything first peter tells it this concerning this plan of god first peter chapter 1 verses 19 and 20 peter speaks of the the sa- saving work that jesus would accomplish when he says in verse 19 but You are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. And notice this in verse 20. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. God chose the Lord Jesus Christ to be the Redeemer prior to even creation which would indicate his plan of salvation predates creation. Revelation chapter 13 states it this way. Revelation 13 verse 8, describing a time when uh, the whole world is worshiping a false god. And it says here, verse 8, All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the book of life, belonging to the Lamb, now note this, that was slain from the creation of the world. See, God's plan is an eternal plan. Not just eternity that is before us in the future, but an eternal plan that came uh, out of eternity past. And God's favor rests upon me and upon you by providing us this salvation through Jesus Christ. And he chose us in Him. Ephesians chapter war, uh, 1 and verse 4 says, just as you and I are chosen in Christ before the foundation uh, of the world. And God's favor rests upon you by providing for you individually and personally a Savior who is Jesus Christ. Now, when I say those things, we might... Uh, come to the conclusion, well, then it's all about me, but we're mistaken. Because the gospel and God's plan is all about Jesus. It's not about me, or it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And notice what the angel said would be true uh, of this one that was to be born. You are to give him the name Jesus. Did you know that the name Jesus, Yeshua, means that the Lord is salvation the lord saves Uh, when you say jesus you're saying the lord saves and when you say jesus saves you're saying the lord saves saves (laughs) salvation is god's work and even his very name was given so that it would point us to god who is the savior who is the Redeemer, who is the Deliverer, the one who provides us with salvation. And notice this, it would not be just a man named Jesus. Notice that the angel says, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. See, Jesus was born into this world as you and I were born into this world. Having a a true, authentic human nature. But Jesus was more than just a man. He was and is God. He is divine. And being declared the the Son of the Most High, and in verse 35, the Son of God, this speaks of His divine nature. Jesus is both God and man, both human and divine. In fact, the Apostle Paul, in Romans chapter 1, when he was talking about this glorious gospel, this good news of salvation that God had brought to pass through his son Jesus, looking back on that that and commenting on it, he says, this is the gospel that he, referring to God, promised beforehand through his holy prophets in the holy scriptures regarding his son whom as to his human nature was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord." Did you notice that? that? When Paul, in this great letter that's going to explain the gospel in all its details, in all of its wonders, in all of its glories, begins by talking about Jesus, who is both human as a descendant of David, but he's also the Son of God. And no one can be saved who denies the deity of Jesus Christ. Do you believe in him as the son of God who came to save you from your sins and to make you right with God? Well, his work of salvation would include uh, a kingdom. Notice this. Verse 33 says, verse 32 says, the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He would inherit David's throne as David's greater son, that God had promised that to to David that one of his sons would reign forever and that he would have an eternal kingdom that would have no end over which he would reign. Let me just say that these verses are packed with God's plan of salvation that even goes beyond just the Christmas story, so to speak. And you would do well to study these verses in more detail For the king and his kingdom are woven throughout the entirety of the scriptures. But this kingdom in its fullness awaits the second advent or the second coming of Jesus Christ to be brought into its fullness. In this church age, we are in what we call sometimes in theology the already not yet kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's already in that if you have trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are part of his kingdom. You are are under his reign and his rule. But there is a not yet aspect in that there is a fullness to this kingdom and a completeness to this kingdom that awaits the second coming of Jesus Christ. And that is our hope, that just as the Old Testament saints and the Old Testament people looked forward to the first coming of Christ, You and I are exhorted in Scripture to look forward with hope to the second coming of Jesus Christ and the fruition and the completion of God's plan of redemption through His Son, Jesus Christ. And just as the Jews look forward to the Messiah's first coming, we look forward to His second. Now, uh, there's a little bit uh, of uh, uh, a question on Mary's part in this context. Because she says, well, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Now, I don't think that she was asking that from the standpoint of not understanding how conception works, but how is this going to be? Uh, The response from the angel tells her very clearly, God will bring this to pass. Notice this, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And by the way, did you catch this in this context and this is another truth that is woven throughout Scripture that God is a Trinity He is revealed as Father son and Holy Spirit and in this context you have the Father who sent the angel the son who is to be born and the work of the Holy Spirit who is going to bring these things to pass There's but one true God one true and living God but revealed in Scripture in three persons A mystery a Trinity but a truth that we affirm and understand by faith and notice this the the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God see truly human but yet truly divine fully man and fully God how will that be possible through the power of God Almighty the same God who in Genesis 1 1 set everything in motion And I've said this before, if you can accept Genesis 1-1 by faith, the rest of the Bible you will be able to understand and accept by faith as well. God is all-powerful. God is able to do the impossible. In fact, the angel says in verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. Do you believe that? Do you believe what the scripture says concerning God? And what he says concerning his son, Jesus Christ, are you trusting him? Notice this. It says that the Holy One to be born to you shall be called the Son of God. Jesus is holy in that he is without sin. He knew no sin. In him there was no sin and he committed no sin. That is why he could be the perfect substitute and sacrifice for me and for you who are sinful people. To bear the penalty for our sins as he took those upon himself. Let me just say briefly here uh, as we draw this uh, to a close. That the Old Testament revealed this plan of God as I've alluded to. And I just want to briefly look at uh, two passages with you very briefly from Isaiah. It was the one passage was read for us uh, in the lighting of the Advent candle this morning, and I'm just going to read verse 14 of Isaiah 7. Isaiah 7:14. 7, Therefore, the Lord will Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child, and will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. Did you notice that the text says the virgin? It's a specific person. In the text three times over, Luke, who was a medical doctor, by the way, says that Mary was a virgin. She will be with child. Is that not what the angel was saying to her? You're going to be with child? You're going to conceive a baby? You're going to have a baby? And you're going to give birth to a son? You know, we, we have modern technology where we can determine whether it's going to be a boy or a girl. And, you know, excited parents have reveal parties. And sometimes the, the way that they reveal it works, and sometimes it doesn't. It doesn't change the fact that it's a boy or a girl. It's just the way that they make it known. This was 700 years before Christ, and a virgin was going to give birth to a son. And notice this. They're going to call him Emmanuel. God with us, the angel says, this child to be born to you is going to be called the Son of God. God with us in a way that He has never been with us before in that He's going to have on Him human flesh and walk among us and speak to us and be able to relate to us on a level that maybe we've never been able to understand before. And notice Isaiah, turn over a page or two in your Bible, Isaiah 9 Something else that the, the prophet said that the angel uh, uh, refers to in his Annunciation to Mary. Notice verse 6 with me For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Did you know that God gave his son, Jesus Christ, in his coming into the world, in the offering up of his life, in his resurrection the third day, in his ascension to the throne? In his coming again, God gave his son. God, for, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. Did you see that rulership that's there? The kingship that, that is alluded to by the angel? And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Every one of those titles, a divine title that only God himself could fulfill. And notice verse 7, of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. It's an eternal kingdom. How is this going to be accomplished? Mary says, how is this going to happen? Nothing is impossible with God. The prophet says, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Do you see this consistency throughout Scripture that God's plan is revealed, it is made known, and it is brought to pass exactly as He said it? God makes His plan known through His Word, what He has recorded in His Word. And what is Mary's response to all this? Look at verse 38 with me. May it be to me as you have said. May it be to me according to your word. You see, Mary, in faith, takes God at his word and fully gives her life to, be, to God to be part of his plan. Whatever it might include. Whatever it might mean. And you know, you and I are called by God to do the same. No matter what you or I might be facing in our present experience and world, wondering maybe with questions as Mary did as to how this fits into God's plan, how and when God will fulfill his promises, God says to me and to you, I want you to fully trust me because I always keep my word. And you and I can fully trust God because he always keeps his word. He always fulfills what He says He will do. And God's plan of salvation and your coming to faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is not an afterthought. You're included in this plan. I was thinking of this uh, just because of my lack of um, athletic ability. Remember in grade school or in high school, you would be lined up and they would choose up teams. Anybody remember that? Did any of you have the experience? At least it was mine. Well, he's left. I guess I'll take him. You know, that's not the way God looks at you. He doesn't say, well, I guess this is all I have to work with. I guess if you want to come, you can come. No, God chose you from the foundation of the world to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved and be part of His wonderful plan of His salvation. And you, you become a trophy of grace. You become part of what He is doing to redeem those who are lost sinners when you say yes to Christ by faith. God loves you. And he is for you in Jesus Christ. And the question is, will you, like Mary, trust him with your heart, with your life, with your soul? And if you know him in that personal way already, will you again say to him, yes, Lord, I'm yours. Take my life and let it be consecrated and surrendered, Lord, To thee. Use me in your plan as you choose. Lord, I'm yours. That's what Mary did. May the gift that you give this Christmas season be your life in full devotion to Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for the testimony of your word this morning that once again reminds us that the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ and his coming into the world and his perfect life and his sacrificial death, his resurrection the third day. His ascension to your right hand and even his glorious coming again it was not a an afterthought or a, a plan that was an emergency plan to fix something that was unanticipated. Lord, from all eternity past you had a plan to make yourself known. To exalt your Son and by your mercy and grace include us. Father, in faith, calling out to Christ from our hearts, may we trust Him and say yes to Jesus to forgive that which separates us from you, our sin. And then giving our lives fully to you that they may be useful to you. And in greater measure bring glory and honor to your name. To that end, Father, we do, like Mary, say, may it be to me according to your word. Lord, save me. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Lord, use my life for your glory. And this I ask, Father, not for myself, but for the glory of your Son, Jesus, in whose name I ask these things. Amen.